What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 1. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. 2. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. 3. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions and must be 21 or older to wager. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-327-369. 5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, and 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,500 first bet offer today. Well, we have a CS on both sides, the ALCS. We know it's a battle of uh, Houston and Texas. And now we know who Arizona's seeing, and they're going to Philadelphia, freaking Pennsylvania. That was awesome. Phillies take down the Braves, the best team in baseball. A historically great offense goes quiet, and Spencer Strider, the K-Machine, allows three solo shots. Phillies win 3-1. This is the Just Baseball Show. Ooh, Friday the 13th. That sucks. I didn't notice that. That's didn't a big deal. Know? That's a big deal to some people out there. I feel like you're the kind of guy that like whose day could be altered by it being Friday the 13th. Um, do we want to peek into the curtain? Do we want to make this like therapy on a hot mic? <laughs> no, no, because no, yeah. I'm throwing stones from a glass house at that point. So that's the thing. it's all good. But that's I, the thing. I, that said, that said, that's not, not one of my things. And I just... I think it's one of your things. I feel like Friday the 13th, you're like tiptoeing a little bit more. It's uh, absolutely one of my things. I had a, uh, yeah, I had a problem, like a serious (laughs) problem with the number 13, not just Friday the 13th, the number 13 growing up. But that's not what we're talking about. Just Baseball Show is presented by BetMGM and the Philadelphia Phillies are going to the National League Championship Series. Um, This was awesome. And we were having a back and forth text conversation do we record tomorrow morning? Do we miss the morning commute? I'm tired. But then Nick Castellanos hit a second. Yeah. We were like, we, we got to do this. So we're going to walk 
kind of person by person uh-huh. in terms of this. We we kind of did over the past week like a, a thought exercise where it was yeah. you work chronologically, but I kind of want to go individual by individual with this game because we only have one game. Um, and we're gonna save most of the preview stuff, even though we will miss what the ALCS game one on Sunday. Um, but starting with Castellanos, I just texted you Matt Weiner on TBS, who does a great job. He was the on-field reporter for Brian Anderson and Frank Core. And the post-game, Nick Castellanos, first guy in Major League history to have back-to-back multi-homer games in the postseason. And Matt Weiner just shared that with him, didn't really ask a question. And he puts the mic in Nick Castellanos' face after a multi-homer game to send the Phillies to the NLCS. And he says, what's your question in there? And I know that's like your favorite thing ever. He he might be your favorite guy ever. I, okay. Uh, let me make this very simple. If you told me Babe Ruth is reincarnated, somehow was able to process what a podcast is without like freaking out, yeah. and then was willing to come on the Just Baseball show, or we could have Nick Castellanos, I'd take the latter every single day of the week. Because I think that guy is the single funniest human being on planet Earth. And not only that, like when he gets hot, he absolutely rakes and it's beyond the means and all of that stuff. And I know he like ended up hitting the home run when they were showing the Charlie Manuel clips, which by the way, so awesome to see Charlie Manuel doing well, making contact with, with the wiffle balls that they're throwing them. Like that's impressive stuff right after what he's been through. But the fact that they're showing that clip and then he goes deep again, like that's one side of it, but that's not even part of it for me. Like he's the single funniest dude of all time. That was one of those questions. It's not really a question that you give as a softball to a baseball player, because you know, they'll take that and run and say, even if they don't want to pump themselves up. Yeah. I've been seeing the ball lately, or even in the most like basic, and you've experienced this way more than I have though. Like, I'm just glad I could help the team win. It just leaves it so open-ended for the player to be able to run with anything. And the most incredible thing about that is that Nick Castellanos was the one guy that elected to say, I'm not running with that. You just told me I broke a record. I'm going to ask you what the question is. And like, that is authentic. He's not trying to do anything. That is literally who he is. Um, they asked him what he learned, you know, from the season earlier. And he literally said, absolutely nothing. Like he's the funniest dude in major league baseball to me. And by the way, he's the divisional series MVP. Forget Bryce Harper. It's Nick Castellanos. Yeah, man. Four homers in the two games to put him away. That was amazing. The lasting memory that I think I'm going to take from this season with Castellanos, regular season, I'll say, because postseason, obviously, this is magical. And I'll remember this for a long time. But um, Little League World Series game, the Sunday night baseball game, when he's talking to that little leaguer, you know what I'm talking about? And and he says, he asked the little leaguer, it was, you know, a split screen, Castellanos in the outfield, he's mic'd up on field, and then you've got the little leaguer on headset, and Castellanos asked the little leaguer where he's from, and this little leaguer says, Australia, but my background is Korean, and Castellanos deadpan goes, oh, so you're a citizen of the world, I see. <laughs> just dead serious, just hilarious. It's so good. It's so serious. And then the other one that let last with me forever too is is defense. Everyone was talking about how bad the defense was. And then he made some key plays in the postseason last year. And they're like, you know, like, what did you figure out? Like what changed for you? He's like, I'm, I'm just kind of 
locked in now. I'm just like paying attention. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just trying. <laughs> and that was it. That was the answer. He's honest. He's hilarious. It also, he scores some extra points. I think that would like puts him over the top for me. He's a South Florida kid. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and like rival high school guy, just have heard nothing but hilarious legends about him by all accounts, a great dude who is just, again, authentically him and, you know, unapologetically. And I love it. So uh, Nick Cassianos, if you're out there, man, I, there's no reason why you'd see this, but if somebody that knows Nick Cassianos, dude, I don't want to pull out the like South Florida, you know, yellow pages and start trying to pull some strings of like people I know. Right. If you're out there, please, please come on the podcast. You're my favorite human on earth. Um, I was he the first guest on Tom Brenneman's like YouTube show <laughs> yeah, that he know. launched. That's so funny. It's so funny. It's amazing. You can't make it up, dude. You cannot. And he was the NLDS MVP. Shout yeah. out Trey Turner for the solo shot too, and we're we're gonna walk person by person. But JT for four, yeah, I Trey was awesome. Trey is proving that he's super freaking clutch now. Um, JT Ramuto had a hell of a series, and Bryce Harper was incredible as well. But I want to start with Ranger Suarez because this guy mm-hmm. has been nails the last two postseasons. He was so underratedly reliable last year for the Phillies in the postseason. And this year, what does he do? He shoves against the Marlins. He puts together three and two-thirds of excellent ball in game one. And here he gives them five innings of one-run ball, the only run coming on a solo shot to Austin Riley, who had a hell of a series in his own right, too. Ranger has been amazing. And Coaces is great. Coaces is awesome. Coaces can probably get you to the CS. But they don't go to the World Series last year, and they don't go to the CS this year if it's not for Ranger Suarez. It's amazing to me that, you know, if you told me Ranger Suarez was going to be the, the guy that pitches twice this series and and shoves I, against I would, Strider. Yeah, I wouldn't believe you. And I know that he went three and two thirds in game one and you know, they didn't stretch him out totally. I mean, he still went five quality innings with the one run, as you mentioned. So you get eight and two thirds of one run ball from Ranger Suarez. Like, <laughs> I'll take that every day of the week. And that's exactly what they needed. It's pretty remarkable what he's been able to do because when you look at the the Phillies going into the postseason, our question was, it wasn't about Wheeler. Even Noah were like, he'll keep them in the ball game. I had some questions as to whether he'd be able to you know, pitch to the level that we would hope, but at the same time, you're not you you, you put him out there and you deal with it. Yeah. It was a question of like, who do you trust in Game Three? Suarez was banged up down the stretch of the year, gave up six earned runs to the Pirates to close out the regular season. At the end of the day, he was going to be the guy that gets the ball because he still had a lot of really good starts, had a de- a really solid year still overall despite the injuries. And you know, you're gonna you're gonna roll the ball to him and and see what he can do. But I, I thought he went above and beyond in this series. And to your point, I think that's a great place to start because you can talk about Zach Wheeler, and of course he's the ace. But you know, where is this team without Ranger Suarez? I think probably playing another game tomorrow. And Nola has been awesome, too. Nola's been arguably better than Zach Wheeler. He's probably been the best of the three, but every great team in the postseason needs three starting pitchers. And the Astros don't win the World Series last year if it's not for Christian Javier. Obviously, Verlander is getting the ball consistently as the game one, game four guy. Framber Valdez is the game two guy. You need a good game three guy. And Christian Javier started a combined no-hitter in the World Series against Philly yeah. last year. And and here you have a really good postseason three. 
Shout out Rob Thompson. Yeah. He somehow maneuvered this bullpen exceptionally well in game four. It was Sir Anthony Dominguez first out of the pen, then Jose Alvarado for three outs. Kimbrell, who had a great inning, and then Gregory Soto and Matt Strom to finish the job. So no Hoffman. I was thinking Hoffman just for a true save opportunity, but Strom got the save opportunity. It lined up exceptionally well. And we can talk about it in a minute. Like Vaughn Grissom ending the Brave season is poetically weird. Um, I think it's like, I think that the proper term would be like poetically screwed up. Yeah. Yeah. It felt a little gross. I have a whole ass take on that, to be honest. Okay. Um, But Rob Thompson maneuvering that bullpen. Did you know where he was going when he deployed Dominguez? I was like, okay, yeah, they're saving Alvarado. And then when they deployed Alvarado, I was like, okay, yeah, they're saving Kimbrel. And then Kimbrel rolled out. I was like, okay, who's left now? And Soto and Strom after those big three on the heels of Suarez, I thought was masterful. I mean, it was that straight, just trust your gut kind of moves there to your point. Like I I didn't think he'd go in that direction at all. But you know what? He he felt like those were the outs that were the toughest. And I think, you know, we talk about the save and and what that is at, at this point in the game and you know, how important a, a save is. It's it's not as, I think, watered down as wins, of course. Saves will always be a little bit more important. But at the same time, I think a lot of managers today will, will argue that the save can be had in the seventh or the eighth or whatever it may be. And you, know, you watch the way the game ended. It was you know, the bottom of the order and a guy that hasn't had an at-bat in a month, that wasn't the save. You know, that was still a key spot. You definitely, it's high pressure. You want to try to get it there. And that's that's still a tough spot to, to close the game out. But I think the save was, or at least some of the more important outs were when Alvarado came in and when Kimbrell came in, and especially when Kimbrell came in. I yeah. thought that was, you know, one of the more notable spots there. So, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where you got to just tip your cap to the feel uh, the feel of knowing that this is a spot. We said a similar thing with Dusty Baker, where he stifled the momentum of the twins by going to Brian Abreu, you know, a little bit earlier. And, you know, while they still had a lead because he wanted to cut that momentum right at the source and not let it build in a six one game. I thought this was you know similar, but different. And I thought it was a good feel by Thompson to say, hey, these outs are going to be tougher to get. And I think Strom and Soto can close it out on the back end. Traditionally, I don't believe, like, I wouldn't have believed that. But when you look at it from a baseball standpoint and really understand it, you can under, like 100% understand why that was the approach and it was the right approach. It made more sense as it as we kind of moved along. And I, I don't think I'm saying it from a hindsight perspective, like, oh, yeah, that was perfect. Because, you know, I, I disagreed with Joe Ryan getting the yank when he did yep. get it yesterday but yeah i'll stand by that this i thought was just incredibly well done a couple of overall game numbers these two combined to go 0 for 11 with runners in scoring position and 17 men left on base i don't think that's an indictment on the offense i think that's the bullpen doing exactly what they freaking needed to do both on the atlanta side pierce johnson had a pretty solid day um, and then you've got Philly's bullpen doing their thing, but it, it came down to Vaughn Grissom. And I want to open up that can of worms right now because Strom got Grissom on that check swing. He went around ball game over Phillies to the NLCS. Grissom is a guy that we talked a lot about in spring training. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, 
definitely pumped him up. <laughs> but like, understandably so. He was the shortstop for the Braves coming into the year. And then out of nowhere, they give Arcia two years for nine and it worked. And Arcia was it an worked. all-star. That was, that was the right move. It was the right move. But Vaughn Grissom, the one with his bat in his hands, I, I made this point with Correa standing in the on-deck circle. Baseball is so, it's why I love it and why I hate it. And, and you can't put the game in the hands of your best player at points. And this was certainly not a case when you have Acuna as a 40, 70 guy Olsen with 55 homers and like 140 driven in, you can't give it to either of those guys or Austin Riley that had a hell of a series. Instead, it's on the guy that was like the Gwinnett stripers team MVP this year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? I'm okay with, with believing in Von Grissom in a high leverage spot. I'm I'm okay with that. I think he's, earned the opportunity. I know he faded at the end of last year and ultimately it was defense that separated Arcia from, from Grissom because they needed a guy who could pick it at the back of the order. They didn't care about the offense as much. I think a lot of people within the Braves organization would have thought that, you know, Grissom was very capable of putting up just as good, if not a better season than Arcia. My problem is you saw Pilar get deployed in pinch hitting situations throughout the series. He came in to pinch hit on the seventh, he came in to pinch it on the ninth, and then he came in to pinch it on the 11th, and he came in to pinch it in this past game. And I thought even then in those spots that that was a place to hit Vaughn Grissom rather than a Kevin Pillar. Kevin Pillar at this point, look, I, I know he can play the field, and that was part of the problem of maybe why they didn't want to hit uh, you know, a, a Vaughn Grissom compared to Kevin Pillar because he can put Pillar in the outfield. He plays good defense, whereas – Grissom, you know, you, you, if you're not putting him at second base or shortstop and hoping or third base, it, you're kind of stuck there. But over the last 30 games of the regular season, Kevin Poir had a 565 OPS. And to be honest, if you stuck him in AAA at this point as a 34-year-old, going to be 35, who's you know had plenty of injuries and just is a shell of himself, I don't think he puts up better numbers in AAA than Von Grissom did, who's more athletic, who hits oh, the no. ball harder, who has a better approach at this point. Like it was a disaster for Kevin Pollard down the stretch. I know he's a vet. I know you you have a little bit more defensive uh, belief in him, and you know he's definitely a better glove for you when you got to plug him in. But if you're pinch hitting a guy at the end of the game, that's the priority is offense. Yeah. And I would have loved to have seen Von Grissom get a couple at bats here, get a little bit of action down the stretch. They don't deploy him at all. And then they put themselves in a position here where the one time you do deploy him is when you're down to your last out and you have your MVP on deck. You desperately want to get on base. It's an unfair spot to put Von Grissom in. And I think it's just poor use of the bench because I know Snit's been one of the best field guys, but I think this was putting too much value into veteran presence over what guys are able to do right now. Even if it's AAA versus the big leagues, a guy that is slumping like all hell in the big leagues is not going to have more confidence than the guy who was raking in AAA. I'm sorry. And Grissom's done it in the big leagues before. He yeah. believes in himself. I-, I think it was a weird situation where I would have liked to have seen Vaughn get those, you know, handful of pinch hit opportunities. And if it came down to it today, you know, or, or tonight, last night, as people are listening to it, maybe he would have been a little bit more equipped in that situation. What I will say is that is totally a snit thing to rely on vets and it's not like that guy's failed much as a manager. He was a long time no. minor league manager. He's been up. I, I think that Snit can look at both of us and say, Hey, you 20 somethings. Oh, no, doubt. Like, no I, doubt. I know what I'm doing. And hundred percent Brian Snicker. Yes, you do. Absolutely. But here's the counterpoint. And I agree with your counterpoint. I think that a hot bat in triple a 
I will take the hot bat in AAA over the cold bat in the big leagues, especially when I think they're comparable in talent at this very moment. And Kevin Pillar is not the platinum glove contender anymore. That was eight years ago. That was seven years ago. Pilar is a guy that I don't want to say hanging on by a thread, but he's a guy that's on his way out of the big leagues. And Grissom, if he still had prospect, you know, eligibility, this guy's a top 30 prospect in baseball. Probably. Without like without a doubt, top 50. So I I think that you've got to look at that where you've got a struggling big leaguer. It's the same conversation during the regular season with teams that are not the Atlanta Braves. You've got a guy that's OPSing 550 at the major league level over a month, and you've got a guy at that same position that's OPSing 900 and AAA over yeah. the month. And and, and, and Pilar just clearly doesn't have it. Like the bat speed's gone. And that's yeah. the craziest part is you're deploying him in situations where guys are throwing hard. And over the course of this entire season, Kevin Pilar against 95 plus, 138, 161, 138. I, that's that's a 299 OPS. You want me to drop that down to 93 plus, which is basically what anybody throws in the major leagues? Like that's anybody's fastball? That's league 175, average, yeah. 175, 226, 228. It's a 454 OPS mm-hmm. against pitches 93 and above. That's a guy who doesn't, and I'm not trying to pile on Pilar, phenomenal career, but I just, I feel for Vaughn in this spot. Again, it's one thing to not give him the opportunities, but then to give him the opportunity there is crazy to me. I have more confidence in Von Grissom catching up to a 97 mile per hour bullpen arm than Kevin Pillar when you literally have the data of 60 plus at bats where he is hitting a buck 75 against 93 plus. That's what's crazy to me. But again, that's not what made the difference in this series. Yeah. It's just I I hate that Grissom has to be the last out in that situation. Uh, maybe they get a clutch hit from him and and maybe there's something different here. But at the end of the day, that's not the difference in the series. The difference was you know, the Phillies offense and surprisingly to a degree, like you know, some of the, the Braves pitching, I would say. It goes both ways, though. Those kind of correlate. Yeah. And we're going to talk Braves pitching in a moment because I do want to talk Strider uh, because it was what, 12 and two thirds, four home runs, three home runs and five and two thirds today. Isn't that a microcosm of just what he is? Though? That's what he is. And it's the same thing with Garrett Cole. And it's the same postseason conversation with Cole. We're going to talk Strider in a moment. Quick aside before we tell you about verse. This is our third postseason doing this. It's 1152 p.m. on the East Coast. And I am just like real talk. I'm so impressed that you have the ability to cue Kevin Pillar against Velo and listen <laughs> at the same time. If you ask me to go get Kevin Pillar versus Velo, I'm not hearing a word you say. It's Charlie Brown parents <laughs> like want, want, want. I, I don't know. You you fascinate me, man. Thank I'm you, impressed. man. I yeah. appreciate that. I, I I had a I had a couple old fashions at dinner, too. So I think it just kind of loosened up the. uh Listen up, listen up the shirt a little bit. I'm, uh, I'm feeling good. The exchange wine and whiskey bar at in downtown Indy has the best old fashioned I've ever had. So when you finally decide to come visit your friend Jack in Indianapolis, you'll have one of those. Um, fantasy football here, by the way, we all run into this issue. You think your squad is better than your buddies. You're not in the same league. You can take home bragging rights. 
by Verse Gaming. Their unique platform allows you and your friends to sync your fantasy football team directly from ESPN, Yahoo, or Sleeper and play head-to-head matchups against league mates. Even better, Verse will formulate gambling lines for your specific matchup. So if I'm playing you on Verse, I can bet that I'll cover a four and a half point spread. Uh, Apparently Taylor Swift's boyfriend was not available. Turns out he's pretty good. Verse is introducing a brand new element to fantasy sports. Just download the Verse Fantasy Sports app and in just a few taps, start putting money down on your head-to-head matchups. Once you're signed up, you get $20 referral bonus if you get your friends to sign up and even better, they'll receive 50 bucks in promo for using your code. Verse is available in 23 states, including California, Florida, Texas, New York, and Illinois. For more information, visit versegaming.com or find them on your favorite social media platform at Verse Fantasy. Yeah, I want in. Uh, I don't know if I want in on Spencer Strider at this moment. Uh, Obviously, I do do over the course of 162. But in a postseason setting... There are guys that I want to turn to before Strider. There are guys that I want to turn turn to before Garrett Cole. I want to turn to Framber Valdez before I turn to one of these guys. I love a hey, you can not right now. No, no, you don't right now. I think I would in the postseason because of the precedent that he's established in the postseason. But here's the thing about these four seam guys, man. This can happen. Three solo shots can beat you. Because you always get the A team out of the opposing team's bullpen. I love it over 162. I love 14 Ks per nine. I think this guy's going to win multiple Cy Youngs in his career. And, and I think that this guy is going to shatter some K records. But man, like it, it's it's scary. And 100 down the dick can be met by 112 to left yep. for Nick Castellanos. Yeah. And that, that's exactly what happened. Trey caught a slider. Castellanos caught a slider. And then, I I mean, Strider tried to muscle up and he was sitting 98-99. He pumped one at 100 and Castellanos sent it to the moon. Yeah, that's the thing is like there's a lot of hitters in today's game that, you know, when it's hard and harder, they're able to to time that up, especially when they can sit fastballing with, with somebody like Strider, it's 50-50. And it's all about being able to hit your spots and if if he doesn't hit the exact spot, you're not going to get away with it, especially in the playoffs, because guys are just dialed on a different level. And whether they're going to admit it or not, you're going to get away with more fastballs in the regular season that are 99 that run over the middle than you are in the postseason because guys are more dialed in because every pitch matters more. And of course, guys care about every single game in the 162. They play hard in 162. But I don't think you could get any of them to admit that they are as locked in pitch to pitch during the regular season as they are in the postseason. And that's just human nature. It's such a marathon for them. And for a guy like Strider, I think he gets away with a lot of those in the regular season. That That's not to say that he's not one of the better pitchers in the game. Throws 100. I mean, we saw him up to 101 today. It's upper 90s. It's great carry. It's low release and a hammer of a slider off of that. But if you're going to be that two-pitch guy, you got to really hit your spots and there's going to be volatility with that profile. We see it with Javier when he hits the spots, he's unhittable because of that two pitch combo. When he misses over the middle a little bit and the command isn't there, he's hittable. And we saw that. So the the tough part with Strider is I think teams kind of know, look, we're not going to string together hits. It's just not going to happen. We're going to try to ambush one pitch in one spot and just don't miss it. And the difference is when you get to the playoffs and these teams have, six, seven, eight guys 
who don't miss it or have a chance to not miss it, or at least have a chance to catch 100 and hit it out, they're going to get to you. And you you got to be able to limit the damage. I will say props to Strider. He scatters those home runs, and that's what he's got to do. And again, you, you mentioned it, like when you do that over the regular season, odds are you, most of the time you're going to give up one or two solo shots. You have a good start and you strike out a bunch. But in the postseason, three solo shots when the opposing team has a good start and a, a lights-out bullpen, that can be all it takes to end up going home. And that's the thing, man. Very few teams can do this against a guy like Spencer Strider. But the teams that can do this are in the postseason. Correct. Like, you know, the, the Pirates are not doing this. The Rockies uh. are not doing this to Spencer Strider. But when you have Kyle Schwarber in the leadoff spot and Nick Castellanos in the seven spot, those are the types of teams that can do this to you. There's no break. There's no break. Johan Rojas. He's in the break. But like, even then he's going to make great catches in the alley after he gets a shit read. Quick thing, uh, champagne celebration in the Phillies clubhouse. Matt Gelb, who's the beat guy for the athletics, said they're spraying Bryce Harper with beer and they're all yelling at a boy Harper. Orion Kirkering is wearing a shirt on the front. It says at a boy Harper. And on the back, it says, quote, he wasn't supposed to hear it, end quote. No, I was told that was media made and that, you know, it was just embarrassing by the reporter. Yeah, right. I mentioned uh, I mentioned it yesterday and I mentioned Jake, who does great stuff. Jake and Jordan at Cespedes family are amazing. And I said, like, I think I started following them. Yeah, great people. I think I started following them when I was in high school in like 2015, 2016. They've been doing this for a long time Mm -hmm. and players love them. Mm -hmm. Stephen Shock, who's like the best baseball personality we've got. Um, shock does a podcast with them and he's like, he's the best dude ever. Okay. Whatever Travis Darno, like sanctuary, it's open media. (laughs) There's literally media there. Like, what do you mean sanctuary? Sanctuary. I appreciate, Hey, clubhouse boundaries, but there are select hours that media is in there and it's not a two and a half hour stretch. It's a one hour stretch where you have to just not be a jackass and they chose to be jackasses. And now it's the, it's the, I don't don't want to. It's also not that big of a deal. It's not, it's not like you like disparage that made a chirp and it got heard. And like, if they won, no one's talking about the chirp. Also, can we please stop pretending that it gave Bryce Harper like superpowers? Those are two hanging breaking balls that he pummeled because they were hanging breaking balls and he's unbelievably good. And he's a 1000 OPS in the postseason. It's not because he was oh, Orlando Arcio. I'm not mit- missing this hanging breaking ball. Like, no, it's not how that works. Like, sure. Did it make him a little bit more dialed? Maybe. How much more dialed do you need to be in the NLDS in a rivalry game in front of 48 K? Like, I'm not buying that he doesn't hit those two home runs without that statement. And the last thing I'll say is the 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 woman from MLB Network who ripped oh, a lot of Rizzo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the same one that said Shohei Otani wasn't the best player in Major League Baseball and has you know her own clubhouse history. Like I, I just I just think it's absolutely wild to to be so outwardly mean and critical of someone you don't know off of what you know maybe maybe darnell will give you a little pull aside conversation next year like that was just you rarely hear me talk like this but like that was just not it and i was it was really upsetting because by all accounts mince is jake mince is a great guy and using your platform to just blast him into oblivion is is just not really something you like to see
I think he voluntarily runs the Harlem Little League. <laughs> Are we kidding? And and like it was also, like the last like sentence. It was like the twenty fourth like yeah. paragraph of his piece where he mentioned it in passing. Also, oh, this was said. Are we jack off podcasters too? Of course we are. Okay. Of course we are. Wait, and I'm in, and, and, and that's not even why I'm upset about it. It's just like to do that to somebody else when you're on MLB Network and like accusing somebody else of like doing it for the fame when you're literally disparaging him for what? Why are you disparaging him? Either for the attention or so you can be able to go to Travis Darno and say, you see how I got your guys back. You know, now will you give me that little pull aside next week when, you know, I can ask you some, some personal questions and get an interview. Like what, what are you trying to gain there? It's just gatekeeping and and things like that. Dude. Like I've, I've had so many people help me you know, like Craig Mish, for example, yeah. veteran has every Marlins connection. And that was the first place I got credentialed and he could try to shut out and gatekeep. That guy showed me the ropes and, and introduced me to people and, you know, taught me things. He, and was because he nice. felt sorry for you. You're uh, I'm sure. I'm that. sure. It's a, uh, the, look at that poor kid shaking as he tries to ask Don Mattingly a question. But the point being, like, just just be nice. Even if you made a mistake, what's the point? Even if it was somehow a wrongdoing, why rip that guy to oblivion? Uh, I thought Twitter took care of her, so it's all good. Look at you on your moral high horse. Honest yes. question, though. Moral um, high horse thumbs on side of the head with fingers up and sticking out your tongue. Did you see Arcia doing that in the dugout? And Akuji yes. told me to stop. So honest question. Have you ever seen somebody over the age of eight years old do that? No. And he was doing that to the fans. And, and I'm sure Philly fans were hounding him. But I also think it's incredibly unfair. The dugout's a sacred place. You know, that's a sanctuary. It's a sanctuary. The dugout's a sh- sanctuary. He should not have been filmed doing that. Unreal. Austin Riley, great series from you, man. Um, I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah, nice job, man. Nice job. Um, let's wrap. Quick initial thoughts. Because um, I wasn't on the uh, DS preview. This is kind of like our our early CS preview. And I think Walker's going to hop on again for a CS preview. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> Rangers, Astros, who, how many games, quick why? I think it's going to be a bloodbath, and I think it's going to be so much fun. Yeah. I'm going to go, I think, Rangers in seven. Okay. I think Rangers in seven because, believe it or not, the pitching separates them. That's gutsy. Mm -hmm. I go Rangers in six because the cumulative score is going to be 1,005 to 1,004. And can I say one other thing about it? I mean, they have a player who's getting the Barry Bonds treatment right now. Mm-hmm. And like that matters when you're getting there's a it's one thing to have a player who's locked in. It's another thing to have a player who's getting the Barry Bonds treatment. And that's Corey Seager, which means if you're getting the Barry Bonds treatment, that means you're either you're almost you almost have a thousand on base percentage. You're either guaranteed to walk or hit a nuke. OK, and that changes the dynamic of the whole lineup. Counterpoint is your Don not going to get the bonds. Very treatment? close. Very close. I think Seager is more. I think Seager is closer to the Bonds treatment than Jordan. And the thing is, the reason why the Astros don't lose is that Jordan was that like that that Trump card, right? Like the only guy that was getting the the Barry Bonds treatment. Now another team has that, and I think they have a deeper lineup at this point. I think they have some other pieces. Um, one other thing I wanted to note real quick though, Jack. Yeah. Sean Murphy's disappearing act in the second mm. half. 
Yeah, horrible. I don't know if he was banged up. You know, if if it comes out that he was hurt, like that totally makes sense. And I feel bad, but I only know what I can speak to. And what I can speak to is the final 40 games of the regular season and, and the postseason. This is all included. 161, 307, 277 slash line. It's a 585 OPS. And that doesn't, you know, that doesn't include the two for four game, you know, that, that he wrapped up the season with. But he wasn't even playing every day down the stretch. I mean, imagine not having confidence in your all-star catcher who's you know, solidifying himself as one of the top catchers in the game through the first half to the point that you're not playing him every single opportunity you get in the postseason. I thought the the Sean Murphy disappearing act was a big part of things. And then, I mean, you got to talk about it. Ronald Acuna, 143, 294, 214 slash line in the series. I know it's just four games. I hate playing the blame game, you know, in short series like this. But if you're the leadoff hitting MVP... It's just funny to me that the MVP and the MVP runner-up expected to be both were no-shows in the postseason. Baseball's wild. And the third-place finisher in Freddie Freeman? All no-shows. Yeah, Olsen showed up. Olsen probably finished fourth, I think. I think Matt should finish ahead of Freeman, but it's hard to argue with Freddie Freeman. Like, dude, 53 pumps and 138. Are you kidding me? How is that not a top-three finisher? That's It's hard. But yeah, I mean, Sean Murphy signed a six-year, $73 million extension, and he sat back-to-back games healthy in the DS. Yes, Uh, as far as we understand, healthy. And, you know, then Mike Harris, arguably my favorite player in Major League Baseball, besides Nick Castellanos. I mean, 0 for 11 in the series. Yeah. I I mean, it was in a spot where it's like, do I have to actually pinch hit for these guys? Uh And I think that's what kind of made Snit, you know, overmanage a little bit is, he found himself having to pinch hit for guys that he doesn't normally have to pinch hit for. Phillies, Diamondbacks, NLCS. Who wins? How many games? Quick why. Phillies. It's, it's got to be the Phillies. Mm-hmm. And and I think the difference is here is, again, I think the lineups match. Pitching. You know, I, we can talk about the, the Dodgers and how they should have done more offensively. But I think this Phillies lineup is just way deeper. You get the back half of the Dodgers lineup, it gets kind of rocky fast, especially when guys aren't performing. Back half of this Phillies lineup, again, <laughs> the only break is is Rojas. So I don't think Brandon Fott gets away with as much. I don't think Merrill Kelly gets away with as much. And I don't luck. even know if Gallon gets away with that much. And then good luck trying to hit, you know, Wheeler. And then it's a seven-game series. You got to hit Wheeler twice if you're able to force it long enough. I, I just think there's too many advantages for the Phillies. Which is why the Diamondbacks will somehow win. But Probably. Phillies are my prediction. So I think it's the most competitive gentleman sweep you'll ever see. I, I, I really I do think it's gonna be a crappy series. Yeah, I crappy series meaning you think lopsided? Yeah, like I do think it's gonna be four games. Okay. I, I agree with you. I do think it'll be like a good enough four games. I don't think it's gonna be like this pathetic bludgeoning, but like Okay, gentleman sweep. So I think five. Oh, okay. You yeah. give the team a game. I'll give them one. I'll give them one. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's, it's, it's the three O game that they snag where, you know, they go to like, I don't even know if he's on the roster, like Taiwan Walker instead of Wheeler on short wet rest. I don't know. Yeah. That's maybe or the Lorenzen. one. I see. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Lorenzen is an opener. Yeah, man. Okay. So you've got Phillies in four. I've got Phillies in five and then I've got Texas in six and you've got Texas in seven. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Uh, we'll get the other thoughts uh, on Monday. This is yeah. exciting stuff. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, enjoy your college football. And then the NFL Sunday is when the CS starts. So every link you need is in our link tree or our episode description. I've had such a fun time using Outlier. Um, yeah. It's been big on TikTok and Instagram. If you see my preview videos, I'm using Outlier for all those. And I just got the player props. They're wild. Yeah. I, I got a new tutorial that like we me and Colby were on a call with two outlier people today and they showed me a button that I wasn't hitting before. And I was like, this unlocks a new universe of this app. And I'm very excited to share that with you guys. When we get to the CS, I've had a great time with that. That app is in our link tree um, and everything else you need is in our link tree in our episode description. So enjoy the weekend. Um, go orange in Tallahassee <laughs> on Saturday. And uh, we'll talk to you guys on Monday. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus.